My name is Andy. Robert England is a name you might not expect to hear when talking about forgotten horror. He is one of the most iconic actors in the horror genre. In 1984, he introduced the world to Freddy Krueger, the ultimate 80s boogeyman. Before this, he had roles in movies such as Eaten Alive, Dead and Buried, and Galaxy of Terror. Robert got his first horror gig and a drive-in movie called Sunburst. For its home video release, the name will be changed to Slash Dreams to capitalize on Robert England's horror notoriety. We start the movie with a woman named Jenny reading a letter from her friend Mike. She is joined by her friend Robert, and she reads him the letter. Their friend Mike, played by Robert England, has dropped out of school and modern society to go live in the mountains in a cabin that he built. Robert and Jenny have been friends for a long time since they were kids. Pretty soon, Jenny's boyfriend Marshall comes up and tells Jenny to come with him and then makes some rude comment to Robert. He asks Robert if he is still hanging out with the dorm rats. What are dorm rats? Robert just kind of laughs as Marshall and Jenny walk off. You can tell Marshall really doesn't like Jenny being so close with Robert. The next scene is a professor lecturing in a class. Jenny and Marshall come in fashionably late. The professor is lecturing about society coming into what he calls the age of Aquarius. This evolution of societies where younger generations are leaving behind older traditions and beliefs. The idea of the nuclear family is no longer relevant. The professor opens up a discussion to the class. Jenny starts to tell her classmates about her friend Michael living in the mountains and is interrupted by her boyfriend. Marshall says that Michael is just a college dropout, a loser on drugs. Robert is also in this class. He responds to Marshall saying Michael was tired of people like Marshall and his frat bros. We then get to hear a conversation between Jenny and Marshall in the cafeteria. Marshall asks Jenny what is bothering her. He asks if she didn't like what he said about Michael. She responds that she hasn't liked much of what he's been saying lately. Marshall doubles down on the idea that Michael just couldn't cope with life, that he gave up. You have to stick with things to get the reward. Jenny says that she has stuck with things and is finding life lacking. Marshall can't believe what he's hearing. He said any girl would be lucky to be in her shoes head of the cheer squad, homecoming queen, dating him. Jenny then says that when the fun and games are over, what does she have left? And Marshall says, me. That night, there's a party at the frat house. We see Robert walking in and is flirting with a couple of women who all seem to be really into him. One of the women says that she can't hold on to you with one arm 
as well as I can hold on to you with two arms. It's pretty clear that she's referring to Jenny and how Robert pines after her even though she is with Marshall. We get to see Robert cutting a rug to some groovy 70s tunes. Outside Jenny and Marshall are making out. Well, Marshall is aggressively trying to neck and Jenny doesn't really seem into it. Then something catches Marshall's attention and we see that a fraternity pledge has been dressed up in women's clothing and has to do a strip tease in front of the party goers. Marshall is cat calling to the pledge and keeps telling him to keep stripping. Once the pledge gets down to underwear, Marshall tells him to keep going but the pledge refuses. Marshall then tells him that he just isn't a quality fraternity material and pushes him into the pool behind him. Back inside the party, Jenny and Robert are dancing as Marshall is dancing with another woman. Marshall is really just glaring at Robert and Jenny, ignoring the woman he's dancing with. He says that something isn't right between him and Jenny. The woman he is dancing with is Jenny's friend, so Marshall asks her what she is telling her about them. Jenny's friend suggests that sometimes Marshall is too hard on Jenny. He tells her that he loves Jenny, and she says that he has a weird way of showing Jenny that. This whole time, Marshall is still glaring at Robert and Jenny as they dance. Robert and Jenny are discussing Michael again, imagining what life is like in the mountains. They can see him sleeping under the stars, leading a peaceful life. Marshall interrupts their dance, asks if they are finished yet. He doesn't understand their fascination with Michael living in the wilderness. Marshall makes a comment about Jenny acting like a bitch. Robert calls himself obsessed. Marshall then proceeds to kick them both out of the party, tells them to go live with Michael in the mountains. Jenny says that's not a bad idea. Marshall then says to the party crowd, yeah, let's all go see Michael, and everyone leaves the party. We see Robert and Jenny going down the road in Robert's car. Jenny asks if they should wait to leave in the morning, but Robert says no, they should just keep driving through the night. We see another car speed up next to them, and it's Marshall and his friends. They throw beer on the windshield and Robert has to pull over. Then Marshall makes a U-turn and drives straight towards Robert's car. He is playing chicken with them and stops right before he hits Robert's car. Robert is understandably angry and jumps out to confront Marshall. Marshall says he was just playing with them. It was a joke. Then he apologizes to Jenny if she was scared by the stunt. He tells Jenny to get in the car and go with him, but Jenny tells him it's over. Then we see Robert and Jenny driving off again, Robert with a big grin on his face. Apparently they were serious about driving through the night to the mountains. It's now daytime and Jenny is sleeping with Robert still driving, trying to stay awake. Earlier, when they were first talking about going to visit Michael, Jenny said that he didn't live that far away. I was surprised that they had to drive overnight to get there. After Jenny wakes up, they make a stop at a local gas station. There's a scene where they walk up to a guy sitting outside of the station, and he's just staring blankly, so they walk into the gas station. This scene reminds me of the scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out the previous year. That scene also takes place at a gas station where our main characters run into some local weirdos. Inside the gas station, Robert and Jenny don't see anyone, but they hear someone talking in the back. They enter into a back room and there is who we assume is the owner of the gas station. An older man speaking to an invisible audience or maybe practicing an act that he has always wanted to perform. He also begins a musical number and starts to sing before noticing Robert and Jenny. 
He motions them into the room and they sit on a bench in front of the older man. This older man is played by one of the first crooners, Rudy Valley. He was one of the first teen idol pop stars in the 20s. It seems like in this movie he's playing himself. After he finishes singing, he explains that he was a radio star and laments the fact that TV and movie stars are being recognized, but not the people that paved the way in radio. He asks them where they are going and they explain that they want to find their friend. The old man invites them back to the front of the store where he offers them candy, licorice nips. Jenny shows Michael's letter to the store owner and asks if it was sent from his store. The owner recognizes the postmark and says that was sent from his store. Jenny asks if he knows Michael and the store owner does recognize him but says he hasn't seen him for a while. Robert asks directions to the ridge where Michael lives. The owner warns them that it is dangerous for non-local people to wander around in the woods. He suggests that Robert buy a hunting knife for protection. Robert refuses and says that he doesn't hunt. The owner counters with, yeah, but what if you're being hunted? The young couple don't really take his warning serious and leave the store. There are a series of shots of the couple walking along the trail enjoying nature and being playful. Then they get to the ridge and see how steep it is, and Jenny is kind of hesitant to keep going. Robert encourages her to keep going, and up they go. Next we retreat to some cheerful 70s music while the couple attempt to climb up the ridge. Jenny is having some difficulty and Robert helps her up to the top. Once they get over the ridge, they come to a lake. It's very nice and peaceful. Robert decides to make camp there. That night they are sitting by the campfire and admiring the night sky seeing all the stars. The next morning they wake up to a bear walking up to the campsite and it eats all their food. They stay motionless and the bear goes away. This encounter won't be the last brush with death that they have. Not only do the young campers have to be wary of the dangers of nature, but also of the danger of people that may live off the grid, away from society, and are not kind to strangers people that they perceive as trespassers on their land. This movie sets us up for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre type of horror movie. Unfortunately, it doesn't really deliver. We do have the evil locals that terrorize the couple, but the horror is pretty light. There is one scene of sexual assault that I want to warn you about if you prefer not to see that kind of thing. If you're watching this movie waiting for Robert England, you're going to have to wait for the last 15 minutes or so of the movie. I think that this movie was made during the hippie counterculture movement and it is really focusing more on those feelings of leaving the established model society with all of its negative aspects and getting back to our roots, living more simply. It's unfortunate that this was packaged as a horror movie for home video release. Don't get me wrong, there is one scene that is horrific and hard to watch, but the horror is here and gone so fast that if you look away you might just miss it. When this movie was released for home video, it was the mid-80s, and Robert England had gained horror fame as the razor blade glove killer Freddy Krueger. The distributors want you to know that he is in this movie, putting his name front and center. The name of the film was changed from Sunburst to Slash Dreams, another play on Nightmare on Elm Street. The VHS cover promises a Hills Have Eyes type of movie, or an 80s slasher at least. Not to give too much away, but there is a zero body count in this movie. 
You might think that given the way that the story is going, there might at least be a revenge angle, but it really falls flat in the end. I would not recommend this movie to any horror fan out there, especially people expecting a big role from Robert Englund. This movie might be for you if you are a Robert Englund completist, or want to see 20's crooner Rudy Ballet in a movie. I might also recommend this if you want to see a slice of life movie that portrays the thoughts of young people in the 70s to see what motivates the counterculture movement of this time. You've been listening to The World of Horror.